You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, not a not a good start to the week with the, the Broncos going down last minute to the Chiefs. Yeah, I thought that the Broncos would get beat, so there's some moral victories there, you know, the, how close they played them. I thought they would get smacked down, but it also stinks when you play that close and then have your heart ripped out at the end from some lack of executions by both sides of the ball and the coaching staff and the play calling, so... Not great, but I think this team is better than I thought it was heading into the game last week. So if that means anything, you know, moral victories are <laughs> for losers. But you know what? The Broncos have lost <laughs> two in a row. So we're, we're losers right now. So I'll take the moral victory and hopefully look ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. It, it definitely was a lot closer game than I was thinking it would be. And that that's a good sign, especially considering some of the teams the Chiefs have played and how well they've just crushed them, that the Broncos actually kept this one close and looked like they were going to finally pull out a victory there, but it is what it is. That's the the way of life, I guess. But I just want to let you all know that building the Broncos is focused on all things pertain to your Denver Broncos, especially as it relates to the NFL draft and team building. With Nick and myself being armchair GMs, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week within every single episode from scouting the enemy, player value, scheme and personnel fits, and of course, some general football related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check out ours and our co writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of 24 7 Sports and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without your listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe. To let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, before we get going, we first want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Well, to start off each week, we like to, to look back a little bit and just do a little bit of a stock report, stock up, stock, de- stock down, and just kind of take a little time to, to reflect on who's got some things going and who needs to really step up if the Broncos are going to make a push for the playoffs, if that's still even a possibility. I know it's only two and two, so I mean, it's still very much a possibility. But anyway, Nick, who are your three guys that you're looking at who have their stock up from this past week? Well, it's got to be number one for me would probably be Royce Freeman. Man, he, how does he only get that many touches in the game? He was doing great. The isos, the dives, I mean, running between the tackles, the Broncos interior offensive line, thanks to Sean Cooler. I mean, they got some talent there too, but they're playing fantastic football right now. And running that football with Royce Freeman needs to be the identity of this team going forward. I was flabbergasted. They went away from it with how effective it was, because if you're running the ball that effectively, keep doing it until they stop it. And 
if they're not stopping it, they're going to have to overcompensate. And that's when the passing games open opens up. And I just, I don't know if they were following a script or I, I don't know, but the running game was effective. Should have kept with it. And Royce Freeman was the guy who I thought looked the best. Honestly, Philip Lindsay is the explosive one. He made some good plays, but I thought he left a lot of yards on the field too. I think he mit- he wasn't patient enough running the football, but I didn't see that with Freeman. And that one where he boxed out and beat two guys down with that truck stick. That was a thing of beauty, man. I actually, my fiance was sitting next to me and she, she like I startled her. She was watching the game, but I got way too pumped for that. So Royce <laughs> Freeman's my number one. I was trending up, stock up. Number two, Billy Turner. I, I did not think he was a going to be a viable tackle this season. I thought he was more of a guard than a tackle. But man, he played pretty good out there. I thought he was better than Garrett Bowles this week, honestly. And once Valdir was out, Turner was doing a great job of the run game. He doesn't have the pass production that Valdir has, but that I mean that's okay. You're you're not going to always be as good as everybody else. So Billy Turner, though, I thought he had a pretty good game. And then stock up, unfortunately, this one isn't a Bronco, but Patrick Mahomes. I needed to see it from my own eyes. I saw it against some not great defenses, but Monday Night Football against the Broncos, Patrick Mahomes absolutely just looked like a stud. And, man, I have some serious quarterback envy right now because that that's a, that's a future, I mean, even a current superstar. And that's going to be a guy the Broncos have to go up against twice for the next 10, 15 years. And they are just – so far away from being able to be on that level. I mean, there might be a few years here or there, but when you have a quarterback like Mahomes and a constant head coach like Andy Reid, you're going to be a playoff contender every year. So Denver, looking up at Kansas City going forward, Patrick Mahomes, stock up. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, when we did this draft, we reviewed the class classes, and we're like, man, they traded up a lot to go get him. Man, the rest of the class doesn't look that good. I'm like, you know what? If Patrick Mahomes pans out and is a franchise quarterback, nobody will give a darn i'll keep a g rate g rated for everybody out there but (laughs) nobody will care if they got the quarterback and he's the guy they hit a home run in the draft and it's early it's only four games but you know (laughs) that looks like that home run's heading out of the ballpark so patrick mahomes chiefs all that jazz stock up and denver had him i mean patrick they did an okay job but man some of those plays he made just ridiculous really like i said quarterback envy right now and josh rosen played good in arizona as well and we got a good run of young quarterbacks coming up here so I think that quarterback envy is going to get even worse. Oh, man. Yeah. Hopefully we can get one of those guys. But, uh, yeah, you're right. That left-handed throw with Vaughn Miller chasing him, that was that that was the moment that I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose this game, aren't we? Yeah. The, honestly, it, that wasn't even his best throw, our best play, I thought. The well, I know it wasn't his best play, but I was just yeah. like, this is not going our way. This is yep. – everything seems to be trending up for the Chiefs right now. And, oh, that was that was brutal. Yeah. Rip your heart out, but that's uh, probably going to be a thing going forward with Mahomes unless the back seven gets better, which they played better. We'll talk about that here. And the Broncos figure it out on offense as far as quarterback goes. So let's hear your stock up though. Now that we're kind of all of a sudden being pessimistic. Let's hear <laughs> okay, your stock All right. I got to go with Chris Harris. The guy said that this was the championship game for the team. And I thought he really, really stepped up his game, had a couple really nice knockdowns, really shut down his side of the field, made a couple really nice tackles in the open field. I just thought that was his best game of the season by far and really showed his leadership in that back back seven in that game. So very proud of him. Very excited about hopefully he can show that the rest of the season and just keep that kind of intensity going. And then my next one is Andy Janovich. I know we talked on this show quite a few times about, well, do the Broncos even need to keep a fullback? Are they going to use him enough to to justify his position on the team? He is more than justified being on this 53 man roster. Yeah. I, I mean, when when he was on the field and we were running, it was lights out. 
I mean, it was it was fun to watch. He had some nice blocks down the field. He had the nice wheel route that I thought would have been a touchdown if Keenum had made a little bit better throw instead of throwing him back into the coverage. I was a little disappointed in that throw, but Janovich still came up with the big catch. And then my final guy, Josie Jewell. Yeah. Uh, he, he just seems to be getting better each week. And he's really showing that I, I just don't know if he's going to give his job back to, to Brandon Marshall, honestly. I mean, I think they'll keep this rotation thing going, but I think you're going to see more and more of Josie Jewell on the field because I think he's really stepped up a little bit more each week, again, with especially coverage, and he's showing well in the run game. And that's uh, – honestly, right now, it doesn't take much to be better than Brandon Marshall or Todd Davis. I mean, Davis has been good against the run. Marshall's just been good against nothing, although he had a decent game of coverage. coverage. I think he's been good in coverage this year. Yeah, he's been better in coverage, especially uh, this last game. I thought he was much better. But uh, again, I just think Josie Jewell's stock is going to keep rising more and more, and I think he's going to be a a pivotal piece of this defense for the next at least four years. Man, I love it. I was definitely critical. I feel like a lot of times when it comes to actually drafting Iowa Hawkeyes – I try to go the other end and be super critical on them. So I'm excited about Jewel going forward, and he's looking to be a pretty good pick for them. So that's exciting. I mean, there's still some limitations there physically, size-wise. You know, what can you do? But I think he is coming for Brandon Marshall's job sooner rather than later, and he's making more and more plays. I'm, I'm excited about it. And I think next year I would not be surprised at all if it's Todd Davis and Josie Jewel as the two starting linebackers. But yeah, stock down. Speaking of, it's got to be a little bit negative now. I'm going to be really lazy here, but I'm going to use the exact same three as last week because they all struggled again, in my opinion. Garrett Bowles stocked down again. He did play better than the Baltimore game. So not really a stock down from Baltimore, but just in general, if it was Madden raking ratings every week, you know, last week you could say, ah, maybe it was just a down game, but he struggled again. He got away with some holds this week. And Mark Schlereth did a video. I was seeing the same thing during the game. He's not staying perpendicular or he's not staying parallel with his shoulders to the line of scrimmage. He's turning right away. And that's giving guys at an easy angle inside it's one reason that i think he's beat across his face pretty consistently as well and he got away with some holds so gotta be playing better there garrett bulls you can't really be that that negative at left tackle especially in pass protection they might i know we've dogged it earlier but if he keeps struggling like this they might actually move into right tackle next season just because he struggled that much case Keenum again case Keenum is who we thought he was hey guess what a guy last year who played with a fantastic defense had the lead more often than any other quarterback in the league with great pass catchers and the number one wanted offensive coordinator for a head coach in Pat Shermer in the entire NFL playing in a dome. He's regressing back to the mean. Wow. I'm shocked. Case Keenum stock down. I just what well, he's, I think we saw the 31st rated quarterback out of the starters in the NFL right now. He's been that bad. And that's been with three home games against two of the worst defenses in the NFL. So stock down on Case Keenum and then Marquette King. Uh, you can't pay a specialist that much money to have him struggle as much. I know they say he has a leg injury. He had an MRI in his groin. I think that came back negative, but now he's listed with a thigh injury. Either way, you know, he's got some off field shenanigans, on field shenanigans as well. And I just you can't pay you can't pay a punter that much money and not get better production than they're getting. So stock down. Same three as last week. All right. Well, I, I changed mine up, but I kind of went a little crazy on some of these. I went with Jeff Hireman. Hmm. He missed some some blocks that were key in this game. He uh, he made a lot of catches, but he also had the the interception that was thrown to him. And while it wasn't a, the perfect throw, there was a lot more that Jeff Hireman could have done. I mean, he just wasn't aggressive at the at the, the top of his route. It just 
expect more. You're a what 250 pound guy going against about a 200 pound guy. You should out muscle him for that ball. And so I, I don't really put that one on Keenum for an interception. Like I said, it wasn't the perfect throw, but it was, it was a throw on a one-on-one situation. You got a big guy, six, four, six, five going against a much smaller man. You expect your guy to come down with it. And, and he didn't. And again, it, it led late. to an it actual, late. what it was late. It was late. I'm not going to disagree that it was, like I said, I was not a perfect throw. It was not perfect anything, but I, I just expect a little bit more from Hireman on that kind of play. And then, yeah, he missed a couple blocks that were, were pretty key that I'm not sure if it was the best play call, but still he wasn't there to make the play. Mm-hmm. And then talking about play calling Bill Musgrave, what, what happened? I mean, when you're averaging what, like nine yards a carry running the football and you keep passing the football, and it's not working. I, I just, I, I don't get his game plan, especially there in the fourth quarter. And it just seemed like, especially if run, if the run game got shut down on first down, he just went pass, pass. Yep. And I'm just like, no, just keep sticking with it. If you're averaging nine yards a carry, who cares if they shut it down that first run, come back with that run again and see if you can pick up nine yards and at least make it third manageable instead of third and 10, third and 11. Yep. And I, I just keep him guessing. Yeah, exactly. I, I just I did not like the way that he called this game one bit. Have and they called a draw play all season? I haven't seen one. I can't I can't remember one. Hmm. Okay. Continue. We're uh, okay. already running a little long. All right, all right, yeah. So then third one, ability to tackle. Yeah. There there was just um I mean we, we talked about the yards after catch. That is one of the best things about the Chiefs on their team right now. And there was some missed tackles that really cost this team big time. Gave up some very some bigger plays at least. Yeah. That should have been shut down. And so just some things that really need to get cleaned up. Just a lot of discipline things is what's really killing this team right now. Yeah. Yeah. Kareem Hunt is who he thought he was as well. I mean, we buoyed him when he was coming out saying he was the guy to target in the third round in that draft. And man, does he look good. Him and Alvin Kamara. Those were the two guys. I'm like, don't draft a running back in the first round. You got those two. That looks like a pretty good call, Carl. Not to pat myself on the back, but <laughs> man. <laughs> oh yeah, we were both there with those Kamara guys. Hunt. Whew. Yeah, the, both you you deserve a pat on the back as well. That's that's some good stuff. <laughs> Samaj P. Ryan, that was one that we missed on. I'll give I'll call myself out on that. But Kamara and Nixon, my not even well, Nixon talented too. But Kamara and Hunt, whew, so great. All right, well, we got about five more minutes here to reflect on the last game, but we got our things to improve and things to keep up. We're going to be positive again. And if you guys have a better name for this, please let us know. We got to think of something clever. I haven't come up with yet. I got forward progress versus overturn. That's a little bit too much like stock up, stock down, but we'll see. Anyway, for the keep up, I like the defensive coverage change by the Broncos. They were more aggressive this week. They let them play a little bit more press man, even against a guy like Tyree Kill. I mean, they rolled the safety over there, but they didn't give up any big plays despite being more physical. And I really like that on the back end. So. That was good. So defensive coverage scheme, much better from the secondary and the linebackers as well. They did not bite on play action, which, gosh, what a difference that made for the the Broncos in this game in coverage. Yeah, no, it was it was fun to see that defense actually show up really well and play complimentary football to this team. And especially that back end just getting so physical and just definitely the best game plan and the best execution that this team has had all season long that I've seen. Yeah, and, I think they gave uh, it their all. Yeah, they, they really did. And that, that Chiefs team, they had them cornered and it just everything just kind of slipped through their fingers there at the end. But I'm going to go with I mean, this is something we said last week, and I just want to keep reiterating it because I'm hoping maybe Bill Musgrave and Vance Joseph and all of them will hear this. But running the football, 
That is your identity on offense. It is not Case Keenum. It is not the – I mean, I'm glad that we have all these weapons. I'm glad that we have Emmanuel Sanders and DT and Sutton and all of that. But right now it's the run game. You got these two young running backs that are just dominating. You got an offensive line that is geared towards running the football. As bad as Bowles is in pass protection, he is amazing in run and run blocking. blocking. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> just took me a second to get it out there. Yeah, Connor McGovern. I'm loving watching him get to the second level. That I can't believe is, he wasn't one of our stocks up because he was killing. I, I almost put him. I almost put him because there was a few plays you really saw him. Just he was six seven yards down the field blocking his guy. Yeah. And uh, just those kind of things you got to love. So, yeah, he deserves a, a special shout out here. But, again, that, that's your identity on offense. And stick with it. Yeah. You can have low-scoring games. That's okay. It helps your defense. It helps your offense. It opens up the play action, which is one of Keenum's strengths. And so what if Emmanuel Sanders isn't catching 10 passes a game? If he's not okay with it, then that's just a sign it's time to move on from him for now. But I know you're trying to feed all your weapons. It's just stick with what's working. And and the run game is the one thing on offense that is just dominating. Yeah. On the other end of the stick for my improve, passing game's got to prove. It's been bad so far this season. Like I said, Keenum, the Broncos have had three home games already, and historically they do better early in the seasons as teams are not as conditioned as they are. You know, training in a mile high will do that. But Man, from this game, not only are the Broncos, once again, they stall out when they get into the 30, you know, the, the danger zone, not the red zone, but the danger zone, making McManus kick those longer field goals. You can't, you can't have that. You got to, once you get in the other side, you got to punch it in the end zone. And they've stalled out, and that's because the passing game hasn't been able to do it. And I know that this team has Demarius Thomas, Manuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, and Deshaun Hamilton, who I don't even think has a catch yet. But this last game, the leading receiver was Hireman. He had led the team in yards with 57, seven targets, which was tied for the lead, and four receptions, which were tied for the lead. And that's, I mean, unless you have Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey, if your tight end is the leading receiver, that's that's a bad sign. So passing game needs to be good, and I, I'm i not calling for Chad Kelly. It's going to be a while before that. But, he, again, I talked about earlier, Case Keenum is who we thought he was. Quarterbacks, you know, statistical outlier season last year. And he's regressing back to who he was with Houston and St. Louis and Los Angeles and those teams. So stinks, you know, borderline starting quarterback, the high end backup type. So that's, that's what it is. And you got to run the football. That's to protect your offense and not expose Keenum as much as possible. He still had some good throws, but it's just the consistency thing. He's just not doing right. enough. So, right. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the, uh, the pass rush discipline. And I don't know if this was a scheme issue or if this was just players not playing like they needed to, but I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I think they showed a stat during the game that he had the most passing yards outside the pocket of any quarterback ever. Oh, and I mean, that, that, that doesn't shock me that that would be true because most of his work was outside the pocket. That guy is one of the most dangerous quarterbacks when he gets outside the pocket. Anything is possible. Any throw is possible. And I mean, like I said, he could even throw it left-handed if he needs to. It, it just there was too many times where they didn't work to keep him in the pocket and make him uncomfortable that way. I know you're trying to get quick hits on him and all those kind of things, make him have a, a bad throw, but uh, there's just, yeah, there's just too many lanes. And, and part of that also in that discipline was just not good tackling either. Yeah. He, he escaped about four or five stacks where they had him wrapped up and, and he somehow escaped. So it just got to keep him from rolling. Right. That's, I mean, right. I know he had a couple of good ones rolling left, but man, to the right, to the right, to the right. I don't know if you want to send a delay blitz or something, but they better have something for that next next time they play him in right. five weeks because 
gosh, doing to the right, he made so many plays. Right. So. Yeah, I thought the, the the game plan we had against the the Packers in 2015, yeah. where you had the, some of the most disciplined pass rush I've ever seen, and disciplined back end, of course, but just they were they knew you keep Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. He's most dangerous when he gets out there, can mess around a little bit, wait for somebody to get open, and boom, hit somebody down the field. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is Aaron Rodgers yet, but but he has some of that same style of game. And Why'd you have to say yet? Gosh darn it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. But, uh, <laughs> hopefully never. <laughs> yeah. There we go. But uh, again, I mean, that's just, that was very hard to see where I would watch, especially Vaughn Miller, try to get around the edge. And then as soon as Patrick Mahomes saw that, he'd be like, nope, out to the right. Boom. Yep. Gone. Not great. All right. Well, sure. Watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks now, and yet some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you'll turn $100 into $600. It's not just football. You can bet on all major sports. Take MMA this weekend. Conor McGregor steps in the octagon this Saturday for his first UFC fight in two years. You can bet on things like whether he'll win straight up or whether Khabib will deliver the first round knockout. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. This is one of the best bets I know, and you'll be happy with them all season. My bookie has been in business for years. Like I've said, they've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is really easy to use, which is a big thing for me. If you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. My bookie will be the first match. My bookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, and you got to join now because they'll be pulling that offer soon. Log on to MyBookie right now and double your money. Use promo code BRONCOS100, and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code BRONCOS100. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, well, moving on now with the the preview po- section of this podcast. You know, we did cut down a little bit on that first bit, you know, our 20 minutes with the intro and everything. But the roster outlook, the New York Jets. And I'll be honest, Carl, I'm a little bit nervous for this game. It's not because the... The Jets are great. It's just that the Broncos, since Vance Joseph has taken over, have not looked good on the road. I mean, they're 1-8 and eight in Vance Joseph's tenure on the road, and they've already played three home games. So almost that's almost half done for the year. And now they got another road test where they're going out east. And the worst game of the year, they went and got their butts handed to them by Baltimore. So this will be interesting. They got a little less time to prepare than the Jets do, although the Jets haven't been playing great. But this Jets roster is... It's definitely not there yet, but they have some pieces that are interesting that I'm intrigued by at least. It's definitely far from being a, a top 10 roster by any means. They, they're they completely in rebuild mode. I mean, you see that with them taking Sam Darnold here in the, in the first round, trading up to get him, get your quarterback and start trying to build around him. But there, there's definitely some nice pieces too, uh, like you said. Uh, I'm looking at, let's just start with the offense here. And Quincy Anunwa is their best receiver for by far. And has been having a pretty good season, obviously. Uh, he's kind of one of those guys that nobody's hardly heard of, but it's just more because the team is just that bad than that he's that bad. So he, he's kind of an underrated wide receiver for them and definitely Sam Darnold's favorite target. And then they have a, a decent two-headed monster there at running back and Bilal P- Powell and Isaiah Crowell. They're not the greatest, but they're both averaging over four yards of carry this season. And uh, I mean, it, it's... It's a decent rushing attack right now, at least. Yeah, they are doing a pretty good job running the football. They don't have any dynamic running backs. I mean, you mentioned him, Isaiah Crowell. He's He's been in the league for a little bit, although he's had some knucklehead instances. He was kicked off Georgia 
when he played back back in the day in college. And Blaylor Powell, mm, okay, but not great. So they really don't have a great running back. Although there's been some talk that the Jets have been a team that's been very interested in Le'Veon Bill. So interesting to watch that going forward. That would totally change the dynamic of this team and what Darnold can do. And you got to love Darnold. I honestly, I love Darnold and Josh McCown. I don't know how much you follow the Jets or have been following them, but they have like the biggest bromance of all time. <laughs> and Josh McCown is like his older brother. Like Darnold's family has taken in Josh McCown. And I don't know if there's many people in this league that are better people than Josh McCown. He's he's a great guy and he's a pretty good athlete too. He has never really, you know, bounced around, played the Cardinals, the Browns, et cetera, et cetera, journeyman type. But it's hard to not like Josh McCown, the person. Darnold's yeah, I- been... I, I I just was going to add, I just think it's kind of funny. Like you said, the bromance, I, I saw a video of, I think it was Sam Darnold introducing Josh McCown to his family. And it was almost like the uh, introducing your, your girlfriend to, to your family for the first time. And just almost like this nervous uh, reaction between all of them. But uh, no, yeah, it, it's pretty, pretty good to have. I, I He was one guy that I would love if we had a, a young quarterback, go get Josh McCown because he yeah. has no problem being that backup mentor type. And and he knows his role in the NFL. He knows he's not going to be a long-term starter or anything like that. So getting somebody like that to help a young guy train him up, that is huge. If he wants to stick around the league, I think he's going to be a heck of a coach because he has the intelligence. He's obviously a quarterback, and he has that just persona. I don't know if you've heard him speak before, but, man, he's a good guy. Actually, I don't know if you remember this, but back in December last year, I tweeted that the Broncos should go hire Frank Reich, bring in DeFlipio, as the offensive coordinator, draft Darnold and have signed McCown to be the mentor. And the Jets kind of, I mean, they didn't do the coaching staff stuff, but they did They did my quarterback plan, Sam Darnold <laughs> and Josh McCown. I thought that was just a little too weird. And looking at the the weapons that Darnold has to play with, Robbie Anderson's an interesting guy, kind of more of a, a big play threat. He's got such a weird body type, man. He looks like a skeleton out there. He's so long, but fun player. He was a college free agent in 2016, and he's, he's made a pretty good career for him so far. He's not... Not the best wide receiver, but he's he's okay. They could definitely use an upgrade there, though, if they look in that way for Darnold. And I would say their number one wide receiver is probably Quincy Anunma. He's the guy that Darnold, honestly, <laughs> I feel like Darnold's trusted him a little bit too much sometimes, forcing yeah. the football to him. But he's, he's a solid wide receiver, six-round pick out of two, in 2014. So pretty good player. Not really – they don't really have any dynamic wide receivers. Jermaine Curse in the slot is solid, but they don't really have any game breakers at wide receivers. So you don't have to worry about it like the Broncos did with the Chiefs last week. You know, it's a major step down from Hill, Watkins, Conley, D'Anthony Thomas, and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> they do the, have a tight end that I like. I yeah. do like Christopher Herndon, but, you know, that's – he's more of a good tight end too. Right. Yeah, I was going to say this is like the opposite end of the spectrum – when it comes to, to weapons compared to what we had last week. Yeah. It, yeah, it really is. And the, the offensive line for them is not great. It's not terrible. It's much, like you mentioned, it's a much better run blocking unit. James Carpenter was drafted to be, I think, another first-round pick by the Seattle Seahawks that failed to be a tackle, and now he's a guard. He's an okay run blocker, but, man, he's just got a just not a good athlete. So I think if you get some speed at him, some stunts, you can really attack him. Spencer Long, not great. I do like Brian Winters, but he's definitely on the, the tail end of his career. At least his play has dropped off. And Brandon Shell, that's a guy, he's actually Art Shell's grandson, I believe. It's either grandson or nephew or grandnephew. And I remember him coming out of South Carolina and being a guy that I thought had a potential to be a starter in the league that many people weren't talking about. And here he is at right tackle. You know, he's not, he's not great, but he is playing in the league as a starter. And I think this is a second year starting there. So not too bad. And then Kelvin Beecham, he was that guy that 
many Bronco fans were pining for before the draft just because he was like the last okay tackle on the market after they lost Okung. So he's he's okay. He had some good he had a good season for I believe it was the Steelers the year prior. So he's an okay guy, but this offensive line is a far cry from being a great unit. And one of the reasons that Darnold has struggled, I don't think he's he'd fully trust them. Right. Oh yeah, he's he's running for his life most of the game. Yeah. Sometimes it's happy feet though. It, it is. It's, yeah. it's 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 on him too. But yeah. any young quarterback, you get hit a few times behind a bad offensive line, and it doesn't take long to get those happy feet. So uh, it's it's a little bit. I mean, Sam Darnold had some of that at USC too. Bad so line. it's it's I can't say that it's all the offensive line, but but they are. They're a bad unit, and especially pass blocking wise, they've gotten him hit quite a few times, and and he tries to do a little too much too. And I mean, there's just a lot of things that kind of, they, they worked in, in pairing. I mean, we talked a lot about this with the offensive line last year for the Broncos that the quarterbacks weren't helping them at all. And Sam Darnold doesn't always help his offensive line very well either. So just kind of that, that young gun trying to do too much. Yeah. And that's just kind of, I mean, we kind of mentioned his play to a little bit of a, a Romo with his, some of pocket magician stuff, but that also includes trying to force the ball. So, Hey, maybe this will be a week that the Broncos win the turnover battle. What? We'll see. We though. can do that. Yeah, I don't know if it's allowed, but <laughs> they, I mean, they didn't even turn it to force a turnover last week, right? Nope. Didn't they have one they against close. Baltimore. Jack, Shaq Barrett should have had his his interception. Yeah, not good. You guys got <laughs> got to take the ball away. So, but again, talking about this Jets roster in comparison to the Chiefs, they are the antithesis because the defense is much better. And I believe it starts, honestly, with this group, with the secondary. I think they're a pretty underrated unit right now. Maurice Claiborne was a very high pick. He kind of was flubbed in Dallas, but kind of had a renaissance so far with the Jets. He's playing much better football. You know, is he worth the top 10 pick? No, but he's been pretty good for the Jets since signing there, and he's definitely got some athleticism and tools to him. He was always known as kind of a knucklehead, not a smart guy, but they they have him looking like he's more reacting and playing with his instincts instead of thinking, and, hey, that's making him play faster. So good player. Tremaine Johnson, really good cornerback. He was a – I believe it was a third-round pick. And either from Montana, I think it was from Montana, a smaller school up there in the, the the Great Plains area. And he was with the Rams, solid player at the Rams, really high-paid free agent by the Jets. And because, I mean, the Rams got guys like Peters and Tlaib, so they didn't really need to pay another outside boundary corner. But he's also really good. And then it's these two safeties, honestly, that uh, they're really exciting. I couldn't believe the Jets went back-to-back safeties two years ago, but both of them look pretty good. Marcus Mays, he was a guy from Florida. He played a little bit of that super strong free safety type where he'd come down and wreck fools. Not a great cover one safety, but he can come down and match up and lay wood and fill in and everything that you want from one of those bigger, stronger, strong safety or free safety types. And then one of the probably the better young safeties in the game, the leader I would say of this unit is Jamal Adams from LSU. And I was a big fan of Jamal Adams coming out. I like Derwin James more. And I honestly like that Delpit guy who's at LSU right now more too. But Jamal Adams, man, he's, he's a spark plug. He's got so much energy. He's plays with physicality, great instincts. And I'm honest, I'm going to do a film article on him either tomorrow or Friday, because he's the guy that I have circled is if you let this guy beat you, or if you don't game plan against this guy, he's going to be the one that beats you. So got to look out for Jamal Adams. And I think this is a pretty good, secondary buster scrying the nickelback not as much but the, the starting four and the base package pretty good group and see i'm looking at their defensive line and that's the the group that really impresses me leonard williams he doesn't get talked about enough 
when it comes to the best defensive ends and three, four defensive ends in football. But that man, he is, you kind of said firecracker for Jamal Adams. This guy is the, the M80 on that defensive line. And then Henry Anderson, he leads the team in sacks so far this year. He was a guy I, I absolutely love this guy. Uh, I remember <laughs> I did something kind of different on a different ma- message board where you could do the entire offseason. You could do free agency trades and do the draft for one team. And I was the Broncos. And I traded for this guy because I just I, I knew his time in Indy. He was injured a lot. But when he wasn't injured, this guy was definitely a dynamic player. So definitely a nice one to have. And then they took one of my favorite players in the draft just because. I, I just kind of feel connected to this guy. He's, he played at Fort Hayes University, which is uh, just down the road from me, and also got to talk to him there at the Senior Bowl. But Nathan Shepard, mm-hmm. love yeah. that guy. I think he's going to be a future playmaker in the league. And so just this defensive line in, in general, they can get after the quarterback. They can really collapse the pocket real quick, and and they make the run game hard up the middle. You, you got to almost beat them at the edges for sure. Yeah, I can't disagree. It's a pretty good unit. Henry Anderson's a guy who I liked a lot with the Colts, but you know, switching to that four three is not really a fit there. And he's had so many injuries, like <laughs> a lot of injuries. And you'd even talk about Folorunzo Fatakusie. You know, that's not a hard name to say. You might as well try it. <laughs> but he was a good pick for them as well on that defensive line. So I, I like that. I like their defensive front. And Leonard Williams is good. I think their nose tackle is not great, though. Steve McClendon, I mean, if you're creating a guy in Madden, that's kind of what you'd think, as, at least as a kid. That's what a nose tackle is, you know, 6'5 and 302,000 tons. He's just an absolute tank, but he's, you know, he's very stiff and I don't think he's that great of an athlete for the position. So I thought he's been actually pretty, pretty limited and teams have found success going against him. And then the linebackers, you know, it's nothing, nothing too great at linebackers. They spent some money and they got Avery Williamson from Tennessee this year, who was an okay player at Tennessee. You know, one of those Kentucky linebackers that was paired with Wesley Woodyard there. And he's solid, but he's not fantastic. They, the reason he's on the Jets is because the Jets had a lot of money to spend, so they needed a hole. There's some guy they could throw some money at, and he's been okay. Darren Lee, first-round pick, he was pretty terrible, I would be completely honest, his first few seasons, but he looks like he's playing better this season. He's just so gosh darn small, and he also, I feel like, is not the most instinctual. I mean, he can run as well as any linebacker in the game as far as speed, but it, it takes so much more to be a good linebacker in the league. And then Jordan Jenkins and... Brandon Coop Copeland, you know, just they they really are lacking at edge rusher. The Jets, it feels like every single year they need edge rusher. The last time they had a good one was, gosh, John Abraham. It's been a long time since they've had a good edge rusher and playing for the Jets. So uh, the edge rushers don't really bother me, which is great for the tackles. Although, you know, you never know. Something could change. But it's the secondary and this the defensive line that makes this Jets defense tick. And I honestly think it's one of the better up-and-coming teams in the league and Todd Bowles, who's their head coach and was a really good offense or defensive coordinator for the jet for the wow, for the Cardinals, a very aggressive guy. I think he's, he's starting to get his defense together here. Is he going to make it through the season? Is he going to be the coach next year? Yeah. I mean, it's a results league. So if they don't turn it around, then maybe not, but I think he's got this defense heading in the right direction and they got some fun pieces. Yeah. It's, it's a nice young team for sure. And yeah. a team that should grow together quite a bit. And and they're going to have money to spend with Sam Darnold being on the roster. So yep. I, I wouldn't be shocked, especially Patriots look like they're kind of not as good as what they've been in the past. 
And so maybe they could be on the downhill. Tom Brady, how many years does he have left? So the Jets might be timing this out just perfect where they can start taking over this this division. Oh, you're sleeping on Josh Allen and the Bills? <laughs> God, he looked so bad this week. I don't I still don't know what happened in the, the Vikings game. I am absolutely dumbfounded by that. But oh well. We will uh we will proceed here with the opponent recent game results and game stats and anything that's pertinent to that. And the Jets actually looked pretty good week one outside of Darnold with the pick six to open the season. You know, the last quarterback to do that was his uh, debut. His first pass in the league was a pick six. Brett Favre. Mm, Jameis Winston. Oh, man. That's, uh, who's a guy that some people have compared to Sam Darnold as far as good athlete. He can throw the ball down the field. He's a strong guy, but sometimes he just forces that ball. So interesting there but yeah they they took it to the lions that first week absolutely just throttled them 48 to 17 but after that it's been a little bit uh it's been some struggles since then they lost to the dolphins after that who just got killed by the patriots this weekend 20 to 12 that was a that was a close game darnold had a couple mistakes there that you wish he could have back and then i don't everybody probably saw that thursday night game against the browns the browns first win in forever long although they should have probably beat the raiders this week too and darnold didn't have the best game there and they lost 21 to 17 if you're not scoring I mean, they haven't scored over 20 points yet this season, so that's that's not great. And then Game Four got just pounded by the Jaguars, who I still think are the best team in the AFC because I'd not buy in the Chiefs' defense. So, yeah, this it's not been good, and they have yet to break the 20 yard 20 point mark. So, so trending uh, down. Well, first game they had 48. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in their losses, they haven't broken that that 20 right. point mark. Yeah, yeah. no, that it's it's definitely been up and down for them this year. Just a lot of, a lot of mistakes by a lot of young players, but again, they've kept most of their games pretty close. Obviously, twenty twelve loss to the Dolphins, a one score game, twenty one seventeen to the Browns, and so only real big loss was here against the Jaguars this last week. But, uh, but no, I mean they're they're just a team that's missing a few pieces for sure. You can see that, and I mean especially on the offensive side of the ball, they got a lot of things to clean up. Right now, they're 27th in total offense, 21st in scoring, which is only helped because of that first game. They only averaged 22.3 points per game, 25th in passing yards per game, 28th in quarterback rating, 25th in rushing yards per game, and 28th in yards per carry. So offensively, this is a game that our defense should really take advantage of. This is like we keep talking about it. This is the exact opposite team of what the Broncos just played. This is not a high-scoring offense. This isn't a team that's going to cause you to have a lot of mismatches and try to figure out how do you how do you cover all these different weapons. It's nothing like that. And so, I mean, if this defense struggles against this team, that's going to be a really, really bad sign. Yeah, the only difference really, or the only thing that's really that similar is that they both have young, exciting quarterbacks and futures with the quarterback. But, yeah. The offense, like we talked about, has been struggling. 27th in total offense, 21st in scoring, 22.3 points per game. And some of that is because the Jets scored some points defensively in that week one matchup. 25th in passing yards, 28th in quarterback rating, 25th in rushing yards, and 28th in yards per carry. So if the no-fly zone and the Broncos defense want to get things back on track despite not playing at mile high, which is normally, you know, that's a seven-point swing, then this is a team to do it against because their offense is not playing so hot right now. Then defensively, 
They are 14th in total defense, which some of that is because the offense keeps turning the ball over, I would say. Yeah. 13th in scoring defense, giving up 22.3 points per game. Wow, they're consistent, both offensively and defensively. (laughs) 14th in passing yards allowed. 6th in quarterback rating allowed, only at 79.7. So last week I talked about the Chiefs were, I think, 30th in quarterback rating. Oh boy, this is going to be a much tougher matchup. 17th in rush yards allowed, 7th in yards per carry. And so, I mean, that's just looking at the team stats. Uh, I mean, I, I expect this to be a pretty low scoring game. It's going to be a field position battle, I would say. And, and a couple of big plays here and there are going to be the, the big difference. But then just looking at some individual stats, you got Sam Darnold. Like I said, he's been very up and down, uh, has a 57.5% completion percentage. And, and he, he does. He's off target on quite a few throws. He just gets a little bit too amped up on some things. Has four touchdowns to five interceptions. Quarterback rating of 72.6. I I think actually it went Sam Darnold at 28th and uh, Case Keenum at 29th in quarterback rating so far this season, if I remember right. So they're they're right next to each other in what they've done this season. And looking at their running backs again, Isaiah Crowell and and Bilal, Bilal Puel. Powell, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Got it. Um, So they're kind of like the Broncos. They like to have two different running backs going. One of them has 42 carries, another has 39. So pretty evenly there, but only 171 yards and 165 yards for those two guys. Average about 43 yards a a game, kind of thing. Corral's their their touchdown machine. He gets he's had four touchdowns this season, but again, they're not they're not a big play unit. They're not, both of them only have one carry that's been over 20 plus yards this entire season. So uh, it's just, it's not a tough offense to stop, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay how, uh, how difficult this game's going to be. Cause like you said, it's on the road. Broncos have not been good on the road. It's a 12 PM start time, our time, 11 PM or 11 AM for mountain time for all of our Denver folks out there. But it, it just, this is just not a scary offense. It really isn't. There's nothing about him that makes me go, Ooh, we got to really watch that. There, there's no player that makes me nervous, I guess. Yeah. There's, there's a few on here that could be game breakers, but this really is a measuring stick game for the Broncos. Like I mentioned, Vance Joseph is one and eight when playing on the road. And if the Broncos come out here and look flat and, demoralized because I mean, I, they really played a good game against the chiefs. I was, I thought it wasn't going to be great compared to how they played against Baltimore, but if they come out in this game and look flat and not great, I think that's probably a pretty good indicator of where this season is going. I think it probably, I mean, if they get beaten this game, I could see the locker room kind of tuning out quickly to Vance Joseph because a lot of times locker rooms, if they sense a lame duck coach, they're not dumb. You know, they're pretty intuitive. So that can, that can be bad, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. This is a big game. This is this is the measuring stick game, in my opinion. It's really going to determine the rest of the season. Yeah, I mentioned some of those guys, the Jamal Adams, you know, Avery Williamson, Darren Lee. The linebackers are turning up sacks, but I think it's this. I think it's the secondary and the defensive line in tandem that makes this Jets defense pretty good, combined with Todd Bowles' scheme, which I'm really interested to see how the Broncos tackles, especially because he likes to send different kind of stuff at the edges. They hold up with. Todd Bowles is really heavy blitzing scheme because he likes to bring guys and it could be any time. And he also likes to jam the line of scrimmage and then back a bunch of guys off. So he's all, he's all about that chaos, which is a lot of fun, but it can leave you a little bit vulnerable on the back end. 
You talked about that secondary and, and Morris Claiborne having a really bounce back year. He has allowed the worst quarterback rating in the NFL at only 16.8 this Man. year. Wow. I, I, good job, Carl. I didn't even know that. I just know from watching the film and that I'm like, yeah, Maurice Claiborne looks pretty darn good. He, and he looked okay last year too, but I was just like, man, this is the guy that the Dallas Cowboy fans couldn't wait to get out of there. This, <laughs> this looks like a pretty good cornerback to me. I would take him. Yeah. So, oh yeah. He's, he's had a really great bounce back year for sure. He and still doesn't like tackling. No, he doesn't. But yeah. but in coverage, this yeah. man is is a beast right now. So yeah. somebody to, to keep an eye on of who he's lining up against in the game. And then, like we we're talking about with the offense, Anunua, he has the third highest target rate of any wide receiver in the NFL. Close to 30% of all passes go his way. So you want to talk about a quarterback that will lock on to a guy? This is This is where you need to take some chances because there will be times where – even when a noon was not open, Sam Darnold will try to force it there. If there's pressure in his face, that's that's where he feels comfortable throwing the football. So uh, a couple opportunities for some some turnovers targeting a Yeah, I mean, he's going to force it there, like I mentioned earlier, and he does that a lot in the red zone, too. I feel like most of his interceptions have come targeting a as well. So that's uh, I, I'm glad he has a security blanket for his own sake, especially because he's your boy. You know, we get to play both our boys here in the next three weeks. <laughs> And be able to play Baker too, man. Talk about a, a run through the rookie gauntlet. That'll be interesting. But yeah, it's it'll be interesting to watch them. And like we talked about earlier, the offensive line for them is is not great. Beecham from Pro Football Focus is the grades. He's got a 63.1, which is the 47th ranked offensive tackle out of 77. Carpenter is 59.9, which is the 43rd ranked guard. Long is a 59.8, which is the 22nd ranked guard. Winters is 67.2, the 19th, and he, he's the best guy on that line. And then Shell is a 64.0. So this is a not a great offensive line. That's honestly wide receiver offensive line and and defensive end. You know, the pass rusher specifically is probably where the Jets look to go in the draft this year. But this offensive line, the Broncos defensive line, should match up pretty well against them. And I would be surprised if Von Miller doesn't have a, a solid bounce back game and Bradley Chubb as well. I mean, I think all these guys have a good chance to wreck havoc against the Jets offensive line, which is just not a great unit. All right, well, moving on now to the key matchups of this match, of this game. Number one, we talked about it a little bit already, but it's Quincy Anunua against whoever lines up against him. Chris Harris Jr. or Bradley Roby, as you talked about it, Anunua is a guy who has twice as many targets as any other receiver on this team. And if you take him out of the game, if you make sure that that's not the guy who's getting the balls, then this Jets offense can get behind the, get behind the sticks really quickly and just get all out of whack. So target Anunua. Try to take him out, and if you can, then good luck, Sam Darnold, because he's not going anywhere else with the ball, really. Yeah, our second one, then, is Leonard Williams and Henry Anderson versus the interior of our offensive line. I mean, these are all things we've kind of already talked about, but we just wanted to to make sure to to highlight these these matchups so when you're watching the game, you you look for these players. Especially Uh, how it pertains to the they're going against who on the Broncos. You know, that's it's the Broncos matching up with them. So Broncos right. interior offensive line, honestly, like I know the tackles aren't playing great, but that trio on the interior offensive line is playing some big boy football right now. It's really getting me excited. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And so, uh, but this will be a good measuring stick for them too. Uh, if they can really hold these guys and really keep pushing, push these guys back I'm going to feel very, very good about their opportunity moving forward. Henry Anderson isn't the best against the run. He's much more of a pass rushing option, but, but Leonard Williams, he is, again, I, I keep saying he's one of the most underrated guys, I think, at that defensive end position in the NFL right now. 
Yeah, he's played. He stood out a lot when I've watched him. And I mean, he was the fifth overall pick. And a lot of times it takes a little bit of time for these defensive linemen to mature into something. But yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. I feel like he's still scratching the surface of his pass rush ability. But his ability to move offensive linemen and get in lanes with his strength and length is pretty darn special. I mean, the, the talent is undeniable. So pretty fun, guys. He's easy to see out there. And then Darren Lee, you talked about him earlier. We talked about it. He's a guy that struggled his first two years, but has really turned it around this year, and he's playing better and better. He's actually the lead, the, the leader on the team in interceptions, and he's he's got some ability to play the pass game. You know, he's the guy, if you run at him, he can be an issue, but he's very fast, and it looks like his instincts are starting to catch up to his his athletic profile, which is a smaller guy, you know, more of that, that tweener body type, but if he if he can be a coverage linebacker, which he has to be at his size, then he can be a great tool for them. But I think he's a guy that I would still be looking to attack if I am coordinating for this game. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And then uh, our fourth one, and this is something we haven't really talked about, but the special teams is Andre Roberts is actually the highest graded punt returner in the NFL, even higher than, than the guy that we faced last week in Tyreek Hill. This guy's been very dynamic so far this year. So Marquette King, if you're good to go this game, I don't know where he sits injury-wise. We'll kind of keep track of that as the week goes on. But but Andre Roberts, this is not a guy you want to mess around with. He can, If you want to talk about a game-changing kind of player, it's Andre Roberts. Yeah. So it, uh, just don't punt to this guy. Make their offense beat you. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty much what I would say. Yep. Well, they did punt to Tyreek Hill last yeah, last week, despite what we told him not to do, man, that, that punt return was they only had that one, but man, that was a killer. That, that sucked. So we'll see. And then the last one we hear case Keenum versus a very underrated secondary case. Keenum is it's going to be under the microscope here. This is a quarterback that it's pretty, pretty not well-kept secret that the Broncos really like Sam Darnold. They even did call the giants to see if they could move up to two after Baker was selected because they like, Hey, let me get on that Darnold. So it'll be interesting, but Case Keenum is the guy the Broncos have instead. And he's going up against, like we talked about, a very good secondary. Claiborne and Johnson are very good, probably one of the more underrated cornerback duos in the league. And then the two great young safeties spearheaded by Jamal Adams, who unfortunately after he made that tweet about how the Jets are back and it's going to be great now, they haven't won a game after the great <laughs> game against the Lions. But this is a game where they're, I mean, they're desperate as well. Todd Bowles is coaching for his, career in new york and they've had an extra day to prepare in the broncos i mean we'll see how the broncos respond because that's it's a pretty demoralizing loss losing to the chiefs like the way they did and ha- having to go out east where i mean again <laughs> vance joseph on the road has not been good so we will see but man you gotta you gotta be careful against that secondary and the wide receivers are good but keenum's gotta just keep it from a uh, pick six could <laughs> make this game a loss pretty quickly All right, we're our last section here, our last main section before the predictions, the coaching corners. And I have the Broncos on offense. And like we talked about, Todd Bowles is very aggressive. He likes to send bodies, you know, his own blitzes, kind of that stuff that the Broncos used in their their first Super Bowl. You know, his own blitzes, kind of a revolutionary thing at that time. But he likes to do that and create chaos. So Broncos need to do a great job of using motion a fair amount to have the Jets tip their hand. You know, who's sending? What's the coverage going to be? Is it going to be zone on the right? Is the guy inching up the lines of scrimmage? Is he actually coming? So a lot of motion just just to get the Jets to hopefully tip their hand and give Case Keenum a chance before the snap happens to analyze where pressure could be coming from. And also, I think that something that Broncos haven't used as much as I'd like them to is the screen game. You know, you have a pretty good offensive line, especially some athletes out there. You have two interesting running backs. Honestly, 
Devontae Booker's best usage might be the screen game outside of his pass blocking. And then you have wide receivers who are blocking really good right now. I mean, every single game I've seen the wide receivers take some guys to the turf. And I'm like, okay, Broncos wide receivers, I see you. So screen game, that's the best way to nullify a very aggressive pass rush. You get all those bodies there, and all of a sudden, oh, snap, all the offensive linemen let us go. The running back and all the offensive linemen are, only have five guys to block, and it's it's off to the races at that point. So screen game. And I'd love to see him get Garrett Bowles in space just because if you're going to have that athlete out there, let him be aggressive. Let him go attack. How does that happen? Screen game. Get him in space. I'd also attack the middle of the field. We talked about Darren Lee has improved this year, but it still seems like the weakness of this team, especially Avery Williamson. So whether it be you know using the tight ends, the running backs on some curls, I would use a lot of drags and crossing routes as well. You know, Use the middle of the field, and that's where Case Keenum was best with the Vikings. So it, it makes sense to attack there and not attack that secondary Again, very underrated secondary, but Buster Scrine is not great. It's their nickelback, so I'd attack him, whether it be Sanders, DT, Cortland Sutton, hire men out there. It doesn't matter. Throw it to the guy that Scrine is covering because he has not been good this year. And then don't let Leonard Williams beat you. He's pretty much the guy on the defensive line that if there's going to be one that's going to wreck your game, it's going to be him. So double him, chip him, do what you can. Just don't let him be the guy that beats you. Uh, besides, you know, Jamal Adams is another one as well. But on that defensive line, it's Leonard Williams. And then run the ball more, not less. This isn't a Case Keenum-led offense, guys. This is a running-led offense. And I'd rather – I know it's not kosher in today's NFL, but I would honestly like to see a game where the Broncos have more rushing attempts than they do pass attempts. So <laughs> that's the dream, especially when you got some some limits at quarterback. So we'll see what happens there. But that that's the way that I would attack this Jets defense if I were in charge. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, I got the defense here. Broncos on defense versus the Jets. And a lot of this has to do with mostly just trying to confuse Sam Darnold. Every young quarterback, you like to throw a few new things at him. I I would like to throw a lot of kind of zone blitzes at him, sometimes dropping back even. I know this is going to be controversial, and I I can't believe that I would say this because I've been very against this, but there's going to be times I wouldn't mind dropping – Von Miller or or Bradley Chubb back into coverage just to take away those quick slants because those are some of the favorite throws of of Sam Darnold. You know, hit your back foot and you're already throwing. And there's times where he doesn't notice that underneath linebacker dropping back. That's one of the the biggest weaknesses that he has is he wants to hit that big play over the middle. And so you can sneak a linebacker in there to make, make a big turnover. And so every once in a while, I'm not saying – Throughout, I'm not saying the entire game have Von Miller try to go back there and cover anybody, but I'm saying every once in a while have them just do that drop back zone coverage, and and same with our linebackers in the middle too. Uh, just try to keep that middle part because that's where he loves to attack, and then our pass rush, play disciplined. Again, this is a guy that doesn't like to play from the pocket. This is a guy that can very easily get happy feet. This is why I'm having my my corners move up, kind of like we did last week again. I love last week's game plan <laughs> against a very young quarterback with a big arm. Uh, th- these are kind of the things that I like to do, make them have to hold on to the ball a little bit longer because then they start getting uncomfortable and they might make some errant decisions. And so that, that those are the, the main things that I'm trying to do. And then of course you just got to continue to ca- contain the run game, which they've been doing. And this isn't a, a big time rushing attack either, but I mean, just make sure you're, you're watching out for some of that. But I, I think, the main thing here is just working to confuse Sam Darnold because he really is a guy that you can make have two, three turnovers in a game. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit. And uh, so just 
just mix coverage up, mix some things up, but also play a lot of aggressive style defense because they don't have weapons that are going to beat you over the top. So even if they get by you on your initial press coverage, we got guys that can catch up to them. This isn't Tyreek Hill running away from our defense. This isn't uh, Sam Sammy Watkins either. This is guys that you can keep up with. So the, these are the the main things. If I'm the Broncos on defense, just work everything possible to make Sam Darnold uncomfortable. I can't disagree. Got to confuse him and got to get him to force it. And if he feels pressure, he can force it. So got to get some turnovers. Gosh, I miss the turnover days. Mm-hmm. Now, we're just about to get out of here, but before we do, let us tell you why you need to become a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. Mile High Huddle's approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news. Although we do pride ourselves on being able to relay you the breaking news on the Broncos as it's happening in real time, but what we like to focus on is breaking down the Broncos from an in-depth perspective. From all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dives on player evaluation, and the NFL draft even. (laughs) I mean, we're a long ways yet, but Eric and I had a podcast yesterday, so... That's that's coming up very soon. We save our best and most in-depth content for our premium members, the VIP subscribers. To become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and the VIP Insider Forums, just click on the green banner at the top of the website. Click the monthly or annual option, and you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up along the way. We work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage or analysis on the web. We ask you for support for becoming a VIP subscriber. Pull the trigger, and you have my word. You won't be disappointed. Alrighty, well, it's time for the prediction for the Broncos. And I feel like I've gone first the last two weeks, so we're going to hopefully break that trend. And Carl, I'm going to make you go first. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. I, I'm going to I'm gonna have the Broncos win in this one, even though it's on the road after a, a tough loss. I just I think this is one that the Broncos figure out a way to pull out a close one. And I'll have them winning 21-17 over the Jets. Not too bad. Not too bad. I am curious what the line is. I, I feel like we should add this on here. The Broncos opening line have the Broncos as 2.5 underdogs to oh, wow. the, the Jets. So you'd figure that normally it's the home stadium is a three-point swing. So a neutral field, the Broncos would be favored by half a point. <laughs> so pretty much a dead even. I actually got the Jets just barely winning. I think it's going to be a slop game. I think it's going to be ugly. And I think it's supposed to be potentially rainy up there. So we'll, we'll see. I got the jets winning though, 20 to 17. So I'm Mr. Pessimist. I just, I, I don't know. You got to prove me wrong. You got to prove it to me before it happens. I'm, I'm a skeptic. It's the scientist in me. I can't help it. So <laughs> we'll see what happens, but that's going to wrap up this week's episode of bullying the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nick Kyle MHH. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of 247 Sports and CBS Sports Digital to find ours on our co-writer articles and all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring our Denver Bronco deep dives each and every week. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in-depth analysis from team building, game planning, and 365 days of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Building the Broncos podcast on iTunes at BTB Football Pod. That's BTB Football Pod. And also make sure you follow the Huddle Up Pod and Mile High Huddle. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dunbar, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Go Broncos! You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.